Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls have met that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music that girls are already crazy about. So if you're watching on YouTube right now, then you will notice something a little bit different, which is that Jenna and I are in the same room right now. And if you're not watching on YouTube, then go over to YouTube so you can see us existing in real life together. Because while we have known each other and met in person before this podcast, since starting the podcast, this is the first time we've seen each other. And the last time we were together was 2019, pre-pandemic. So this is a big day for us, guys. Yeah, it's really crazy. And it's really fun to actually be able to look Jenna in the eye <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> and say thoughts directly to each other's souls. I know. It's really funny because it's like, oh, we're like doing a podcast every second of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's really exciting that we are getting to do an episode that's a very much like an expanded version of what Name Three Songs has become because of the growth Jenna and I has made over the past two years since starting this podcast. Because when we first started talking about it, we we're like, we can only talk about men in relation to women. Now I'm like, you know what? Men have some issues too. <laughs> <laughs> and that is growth, folks. Admitting that uh, maybe men get sexualized a little bit too. Yeah seriously so also just as a fun little bonus since we're in person this actually is our 100th episode it's our two-year anniversary it's our 100th episode this is like a pretty fun milestone in time for us to be together i know it's so crazy (laughs) we've done this 100 episodes and it's so much growth too and so much knowledge that we've gained from each other and from the internet and like from you guys our lovely listeners we've literally learned so much thanks to y'all and it's just been such a good time, and I'm so excited to see, like, where this next year of Name Three Songs takes us, especially now with our fun new artist interview section of the podcast. Yes, we do have some fun ones coming up, so as always, stay tuned. So, Sarah, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about how men have been over-sexualized in media, obviously, mainly with a focus in music, but also men outside of the music industry and in pop culture in general. And this conversation, I think, is something that Jen and I have thought about a lot just in regards to like how we've grown as a podcast and conversations that we have had, but especially since we did our Harry Styles episode, which really focused on how from the get-go he was sexualized and labeled as a womanizer and his whole persona in the media was very much like... Ooh, Harry Styles is like this sex freak when he was like 16 years old. That's not happening. But this episode really was spurred on still by Harry Styles, but by comments made by his co-star in Don't Worry Darling, uh, Florence Pugh. And I mean, this past like week month, whatever. There's been a lot going on about uh, Don't Worry Darling in the press. This is a movie that I've been really excited about. I fucking love psychological thrillers. 
and I fucking love Florence Pugh. So I'm really pumped about it. But her dislike in the way that the movie's been promoted definitely sparked a conversation between Jenna and myself. And basically, for those of you who haven't seen um, any of the trailers, which I do think it's always important to acknowledge that the people involved in the film aren't always the ones making the trailers. Most of the times those are sent out to trailer making companies. But Apparently, from doing some research, Olivia Wilde has really been focusing on the female pleasure aspect of this film, even though that might not really be a good thing to be focusing on based off of what I've read about what this movie is actually about. But so Florence's comments were in her frustration with the way the movie's being promoted. And she said to Harper's Bazaar in a recent cover story, quote, when it's reduced to your sex scenes or to watch the most famous man in the world go down on someone, it's not why we do it. It's not why I'm in this industry. Obviously, the nature of hiring the most famous pop star in the world, you're going to have conversations like that. That's just not what I'm going to be discussing because this movie is bigger and better than that and the people who made it are bigger and better than that and so that really struck me in a lot of ways of like her frustration with the focus being not on her acting chops which were also very much shown off in this trailer and any of her personal skill set that she's acquired from her time as an actress a lot of it was focused on Harry and the fact that the scene was very steamy and I mean personally even like I was just like oh shit like this is gonna be hot (laughs) because you can't deny it like it's a very sexy scene but also like we don't know the context of how the scene's happening We don't know a lot about the movie. The whole movie very much is like a thriller, a mystery. Like we're not going to really know what's going on until we're sat in the cinema watching it. But most of the discourse online prior to Flo's comments coming out were very much like, wow, I can't wait to watch Harry Styles go down on someone like King of Cunnilingus. Because I mean, he has more than one song about going down on a woman anyway so it's like oh we finally get to see him in action (laughs) no 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 i mean but that's like a lot of what the discourse was you know and so i feel like i can completely understand where she's coming from with her frustration in the response to it of not of nobody even really acknowledging oh look at all these emotions she's going through in this trailer like what's going on here it's all like wow harry styles is fucking florence for you fucking hot yeah Yeah, I mean, I feel like with them both being such big stars at the moment and the way it was edited, as as you've said, it it really took away from what the movie is probably actually about and like focus is just like selling it based on sex. So it will be interesting to see when the movie does come out how much of the sex scenes are actually part of the plot because they are very much part of the trailer. So yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is just like a very like recent prime example of the conversation being kind of diverted because of the sexual nature of it all. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing in the movie and what I got from the trailer, at least, is it's like, this is maybe a cult. The women all have like similar stories about how they met their husbands. So there is kind of like going into it of like, these women might not be there consensually. And so it's kind of weird that Olivia Wilde is talking about the movie celebrating female orgasm and, like, female gaze sex scenes when the whole movie might be very anti-consent. But also, from my perspective, I was like, they must have had a female director do this screenplay because they wanted a female perspective on this kind of topic. Mm. So, I mean, there's two sides to it. There's always a double-edged sword in everything we talk about here. So, again, it'll be interesting to see, like, once the movie is actually out. But I think there is a bigger conversation to be had about the, like, over-sexualization of men in media and why we think that it's so much more acceptable and why there's less of an uproar about it than there is when women get sexualized. 
and objectify because obviously you guys know like we talk on this podcast a lot about like the objectification of women in media and the way in which they're talked about and our favorite quote about Britney Spears being 16 with her ample bosom honey does <laughs> and those are things where we're like ew that's gross but yet when people talk about like Chris Evans or like Zac Efron's beach bod or Taylor Lautner on the cover of Rolling Stone at like 17 maybe 18 but probably 17 in like a wet t-shirt taking it off on the beach yeah and like articles like oh 10 times Sean Mendes really wanted you to see him topless things like that like you could never get away with writing an article like oh 10 times Kylie Jenner really wanted you to see her cleavage in a bikini like no people would be in an uproar even though Kylie Jenner has done that at least 10 times and when we were thinking about like how how to start this episode and like where to really look at for this other than like the Harry Styles of it all because I feel like he is such a huge example of very blatant and clear sexualization from the start of a career to the present point in their career I kept coming back to like the idea of like those BuzzFeed thirst tweet videos because while I know that there have been some videos where they've had female celebrities read thirst tweets thirst tweets usually aren't as raunchy as the ones that they have male celebrities read and I feel like this is the one way that men are at like a they're basically put on a stage where they're supposed to act amused or find things funny or laugh it off and they're not really allowed to express themselves being uncomfortable yeah and sometimes these thirst tweets are very uncomfortable because if you think about the nature of thirst tweets like they're not really meant for like celebrities directly to read them i mean i guess like they kind of are but it's like they're tweeted from anonymous accounts like could you imagine if you had like a really fit male coworker and you just went up to them and be like oh my god i want to suck on your toes so bad like that would be (laughs) fully unhinged fully unhinged like you couldn't even tweet about that on the internet like it's just just, once again it's this thing of where these celebrities are seen as so distant so untouchable so far away that you can say things about them that you can't say about people you know in real life yeah it's like it's that thing where you are like oh well they're not in the real world yeah they don't know about me but also like once their tweets as a thing got started people would like go out of their way and be like oh maybe they'll see this yeah it's just like that unhinged thing where sometimes you don't view your fave as a real human like you don't want to acknowledge that they're a person with feelings and emotions and that what you're saying can affect them yeah so we did have a pretty good synopsis here that i think will help us set the stage this is an article called thirst tweets walk a thin line between sexual expression and objectification which was in the swaddle and I'm really sorry because I'm probably going to butcher this name, written by Akshaya Chandrashkran in 2019. And they summarize this as Canadian singer-songwriter Sean Mendes stops writing a tweet midway and says, there's a line and she crossed it. And then also Troy Sivan says, I feel like really flushed. We have another one from Indian actor Vicky Kashol, who tries to laugh through the misery of this exercise and exclaims, how are they so confident posting these tweets online? I don't have the confidence to read it. And the author of this article goes on to say, there are millions and millions of views on these videos just to see celebrities get queasy in their chairs, get uncomfortable, but not uncomfortable enough to vocalize it, just enough to joke about it. And so this article is doing a lot of the talking about ways that 
female artists are sexualized in ways that people can't really get away with it as much anymore as they used to, especially in the early 2000s, because we've done a lot of calling out about it. And so Akshaya goes on to write, if a virtual male stranger was tweeting his imagined sexual fantasies for Taylor or Beyonce, the moral balance of the universe would be disturbed. It would garner severe flack and rightfully so. The probability of it being passed off as a harmless joke is nearly zero, and we would not just be passively cringing, but actively outraging so i feel like the one time like women come out on top is like when they're being sexualized on the internet of people being like you can't talk about them like that like that's disgusting how dare you what if somebody said that about your mother but nobody says like what if somebody said that about your father you know what i mean like nobody does that and i think that it's really interesting in that regard of like men are expected to be okay with being sexualized in a way that people still do it towards women but like women aren't expected to like be as okay with it which i find really interesting and something else that akshaya wrote in this article is there's an unspoken expectation of all these men to just embrace the discomfort and only identify as a high-fiving alpha male who prioritizes sexual desirability as the ultimate quality in a man and they go on to write by disallowing a man to be uncomfortable comfortable and vulnerable we are reinforcing damaging norms and stereotypes about masculinity counterproductive to all the efforts made towards gender equality and i feel like that's the thing is it's like when these men get uncomfortable people use feminine words as derogatory terms towards them they're just like oh you can't handle this you can't do that and they're like expected to put themselves out there and make themselves uncomfortable and be around discomfort because they're supposed to be okay with being sexualized to this extent and it's like a lot of the times unfortunately a lot of these stars got famous when they were teenagers and they were quite young and they've been sexualized since that age whether it's like outright or a bit less obvious but i mean like a good example like zach efron or justin bieber or like any of these actors or singers who were famous when they were younger the second that they become like more manly or like get stronger are doing things that like they would need to do so this would be more common in like actors so like a zach efron taylor lautner sort of sort of situation even if they're still young in taylor lautner's case like when he was in twilight he was 17 he went from being kind of like a normal looking teen boy to like a ripped teen boy ripped teen werewolf (laughs) (laughs) and and so you have this this weird juxtaposition of people going from being like oh how cute like this 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 young little boy to like oh look at this sexy guy and like not acknowledging his age or his youth anymore and just wanting to sexualize him because now he has the body of a man and it's supposed to be okay because men are allowed in america to be topless whereas women can't be you know and so it's, it's this weird thing where it's like just because their body is being shown doesn't mean that they're automatically a sexual object i mean this kind of plays into what we were just talking about nudes too but the other thing is like even liam payne and nick jonas both did like underwear shoots once they kind of started off their solo careers yeah but they were definitely like an appropriate age to like have made a decision to be doing that so it's a little bit different than being 17 and being having to play a ripped character in a role which also is just making me question the author who wrote that character in the first place but just to go off of your comment about liam and nick choosing to like do 
like an underwear shoot or whatever the case is it's like there's also that expectation to do something like that of like oh okay like I've been sexualized to some extent for my whole life now that I'm legal I can own it myself and so it's the same sort of situation as like these women reclaiming their sexuality the men are doing it too just in a different way that's like more societally accepted for some reason but I mean like even when Liam talked about doing that Hugo underwear ad like he talked about how like he had to like work out a lot beforehand like go on a really strict diet and all these like expectations that he had to meet in order to like look his best for that shoot and so it's like there was so much that had to be done in order for that shoot to happen and for him to look that way I think even like in your minds and obviously like I'm just essentially speaking for Liam right now but it's like in your mind when you go to do that you're like oh yeah like I'm taking back the narrative like I'm sexualizing myself blah blah but then you see how much work has to go into it and it's like holy shit there's so much I have to go into this that goes into this that people aren't going to know about unless they read XYZ interview where I talk about it and they're just going to talk about how ripped I am and they're always going to expect me to be that ripped yeah. and when I'm not they're going to be like ooh look at his body like why doesn't he look like he looks in this photo yeah. shoot I mean Zac Efron has spoken a lot about that and like the pressures of men having to like maintain that physique which is very difficult to maintain to be constantly that ripped you have to do a lot of working out a lot of eating protein and a lot of not eating fats or carbs or anything fun and he's even spoken about like him putting on weight later in life yeah. and like how kind of traumatizing it was like he was talking about like he wasn't able to eat carbs he wasn't able to eat like mac and cheese or something like that yeah so it's basically these like very unhealthy body standards that we're expecting the elite actors and male pop stars to fit into which continues to trickle down into the rest of society essentially yeah and i mean with zach it was like when he did his netflix show and he like ate pasta he literally like cried because it was like the first time in like six months that he'd eaten pasta and he was like i don't know why I keep myself from it. And I think it's that other thing of like eating disorders in men is something that's not discussed a lot and is something that has way higher numbers than people would realize because it's not discussed a lot. But I mean, there's so many unreachable body expectations for men in the same way that there are for women. But I feel like a lot of people don't realize it because men don't run into the same issues as women do, where it's like a girl's not going to go up to a guy and be like, you are fat anyway. Like, ew, disgusting. Oh my god, like, speaking of that, like, there's, like, a person on, man on TikTok who's, like, yes, been going around asking women, like, would, would you date me if I was skinnier? Yeah. And then they're, all the women are like, I would date you right now. I mean, the commentary that I've seen about that is just the whole thing of, like, a lot of women, it, it's personality first, it's, like, yeah. confidence first, and it's, like, just having the confidence to come up and even ask that question is, like, oh a hot guy might not even come up and say hi to me. Yeah. Like, the the fact that you would even ask and, like, be okay with, like, potential negative comments towards you is, like, oh, that's that's confident that he feels, like, caring himself to, like, ask this and, like, not be worried about, like, what my negative response could potentially be, yeah. you know? But if a girl did that, th- that would not, like, oh, my God. That, yeah. That, like, just, just the thought about it makes me Scary. nauseous. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, thank you. <laughs> So also, just going back to this thirst tweet situation of it all, because I feel like this is the biggest example of men being sexualized on the internet, like, you know, that whole fun thing. And it's not always women in the comments. There's a lot of, like, gay men overtly sexualizing straight men that they wish were gay. There's a lot of issue with that with Taylor Lautner and Zac Efron as well. But 
the interesting thing here is that I feel like a lot of times women aren't viewed as predatory. Like they're not yeah. viewed as predators. And that's like an issue that has also come up and something that we touched on slightly in our episode about Amber Heard is that a lot of people were in regards to Johnny Depp like, oh, see, look, men can also be abused when like Johnny Depp is definitely the wrong poster child for abused men. And like, like he's not. But just in general, like this is the same thing of like women can also be predatory. You see older women dating younger men. It's not as common as older men grooming younger women but it does happen we actually just did a patreon episode discussing Demi Lovato's recent song 29 and we talked about age gap relationships we talked about Taylor Swift's confusing time where she dated teenagers for a little while when she was in her early 20s and also the Sam Taylor Johnson Aaron Taylor Johnson situation about her being 42 and him being 18 when they met and started a relationship so it's definitely something that happens like women can be predatory they can have predatory behavior i feel like in some way is viewed as a joke especially when it comes to these thirst tweets of like oh like look at these women being aggressive towards these men saying like step on my neck like break my back please daddy Mm, that felt really gross to say but like they're saying these things that like if a man said it people would be like that's so predatory like oh he should be on a watch list like make sure he's not coming to that concert like make sure to keep him away from like my girly but like when a girl says it about like jamie campbell bauer who like could easily be broken into by like the wrong woman with the wrong plan (laughs) it's predatory and it can be scary like and they're supposed to laugh about it Yeah, so, I mean, this article, they also say something similar. They're just like, objectification of a man is viewed radically different because of the existing power inequalities in our society. A man's agency is much less likely to be overridden by a woman, and woman lusting after a man isn't inherently perceived as a threat. Yeah. They continue on, objectifying women warrants no shock value anymore, so the media has resorted to making the strange familiar by objectifying men instead and monetizing such content. We have a quote, and they quoted from an editor of Subculture Media who said, traditionally, women haven't been able to express their desires, especially publicly. So the whole idea of it as public expression by making it a caricature is a kind of subversion, perhaps to rid themselves of the accountability that comes with making these often lewd comments. And Akshaya goes on to say that if social media is a microcosm of our real world, then thirst tweeting is perhaps deeply disturbing consequence of our inability to create safe spaces for women to express their desires without being shamed for it. The highly exaggerated and farcical nature of these tweets distances them from reality or having any real life consequences. The implication is this. It is a silent but misguided rebellion to demolish existing structures of decorum by objectifying men as equally as women. And I think this is what we kind of got into also when we were talking about the male gaze versus the female gaze. And it's like, what is the reverse of the male gaze? And it's like, basically thirst tweets. (laughs) Basically, that's what this is saying. Is like, oh, well, women are objectified all the time. So it's okay to do the exact same thing to men. Yeah. But it's like, but men don't get to have any rebuttal or allowed to express their discomfort or anything like that yeah it's like true equality is only when like nobody is objectified really like that's the thing yeah it's like equality doesn't mean you oh you can also punch a woman and like oh you can also overtly sexualize and objectify a celebrity man because you don't feel him as a real tangible human that's the thing is it's like a lot of people are like oh equality means that i get to like treat xyz as badly as I treat like ABC and that's literally bullshit and like so disingenuous and disgusting really because it always leaves 
people in uncomfortable situations and it's like just because men have made women uncomfortable throughout history by sexualizing and objectifying them doesn't mean you have to do the same thing men and i feel like in a lot of ways fangirl tweets like if buzzfeed hadn't started doing this video series they would be harmless it's just people posting nonsense thoughts on Twitter. Most of my Twitter until I started this podcast was just nonsense thoughts. You know, like a lot of people view Twitter as just like yelling into the yeah. void, seeing who agrees with them, not expecting articles or videos or the celebrity to see them. It's a whole different thing when like you have genuine like journalistic articles objectifying these people or like putting Taylor Lautner in a wet t-shirt or asking the Jonas Brothers constantly about their sex lives because they wear purity rings yeah. and things like that so i mean it's this thing where thirst tweets have become this disgusting awful thing because journalists are trying to make fans seem like the bad guys yeah by giving celebrities access to these raunchy things that fans are saying which is like probably what 25 percent of fandom twitter is like yeah. raunch you know i would say even less like not I mean, even like 15 percent of fandom twitter is probably raunch maybe even less than that yeah like, you know it's like one in every 20,000 tweets is going to be a, a thirst tweet. Yeah. It feels in a lot of ways also like a villainization of fandom uh, by yeah. being like, see, look what your fans are saying on Twitter. Yeah, that's kind of what this article was saying, like calling yeah. it like a caricature of like this very small sector. Although I will say I did recently watch thirst tweets with Jackson Wang, who's like a K-pop star and he's like 28, mm. but he's been doing this forever. He was kind of into it. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, this isn't even that bad. He was like, come see me in real life. <laughs> so, I mean, there's somebody for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 no, definitely. But but I think it is interesting, like, when you look at it from that viewpoint of it's just like, it's so uncomfortable to watch these celebrities read those tweets. But, like, it's not like I haven't once thought, like, yeah, Jamie Kemmelbauer could step on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just a difference between appreciating something and thinking it in your head versus tweeting explicit things on the internet yeah especially like i don't know i feel like there's certain cases where it's like more wrong than others yeah. depending on like the age of the person Most or definitely. whatever the case is because like that would be it'd be like weird if like they had i don't know zach efron read thirst tweets and it's like wow zach efron in high school musical too want a piece of that like no that's a young person and so there was one other article that we pulled called thirst tweets drawing the line between sexual expression and objectification that was written up in a publication called feminism in india by samanti shaklader in 2021 and they wrote by objectifying men and not giving them a chance to be angered hurt or disgusted or vulnerable with their emotions in situations of thirst tweets being thrown at them the media reinforces problematic notions of toxic masculinity where sexual desirability is treated as the pinnacle of manhood and i feel like that really summarizes a lot of what we're saying here of like they're not expected to be mad about these tweets or like freaked out they're expected to laugh them off and take it and as a compliment these, yeah and take Which it as like, a compliment ringing bells a la catcalling yeah. like catcalling like the excuse for that is like oh no but it's a compliment like this is basically the same thing yeah, and the other thing that they write that I think is also really interesting is that with progressively open communication on sexual needs, rights, and sexualities, it seems that on the surface at least, thirst tweets are a mode of expression 
using hyperbolic language far divorced from real-world consequences as a method of subverting traditional expectations and gendered behavior. And I feel like, again, that's the thing is it's like, these people are tweeting shit that they would never actually say to somebody. And, like, things that are, like, so much a caricature of, like, their actual feelings. Because, like, there'll be certain celebrities that I'll have a crush on and, like, on the internet or, like, to my friends, I'd be like, oh, what what I do to have them hit me with a truck? You know, but it's like, would I want them to actually hit me with a truck? No. Yeah. Would I ever actually want to, like, even touch some of these people? No. But, like, in my mind, amazing. I'm like, oh, Matt Smith could, like, punch me with a fish any day. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, is that something I'm into? No. Is it something I feel in a moment? Maybe. (laughs) Who fucking knows? It's always a bit of a joke, and you don't ever expect that celebrity to see it. And it's kind of just, like, a poetic way to, like, talk about your personal sexual anguish towards a celebrity that you're intrigued by yeah and it's not real but it's also like why should they be expected to like take it on the chin yeah and just be like oh that's like doesn't make me uncomfortable in the slightest i mean i think there's some things that are relatively harmless but then there's some that are very explicit and vulgar that i've seen on bts twitter and i'm like maybe this could have stayed in the drafts like (laughs) and they have thousands of retweets and thousands of likes and i'm like this is kind of disgusting yeah i mean like there is one of the the thirst sweet ones with uh taron edgerton and he like was into it but also i feel like that's just like his personality no that's what i'm saying is like some people are kind of into it so it really just depends on the person not everyone's gonna be fun but also like you could tell that he was like taken aback by like what was said but he was like i mean if you really want me to blast your back out like sure (laughs) why not you know like stuff like that so it is that thing where it's like some of them are are good sports, but then there's some people like sean mendes where we're like (laughs) i think they maybe crossed the line there but like buzzfeed's like you can't say that more than once that's the only time you can complain yeah. about this you have to you have to be a good boy the rest of this session and just be fine with these thirst tweets yeah so actually speaking of sean mendes we do have another like real life scenario where he was kind of objectified and really uncomfortable with it and a lot of the examples that we're going to get into are primarily looking at a lot of actors and like male pop stars when they were younger when they were teenagers or just like barely legal kind of and looking at the ways they were treated like as we've already mentioned like Zac Efron Taylor Lawton are two really big examples of like they had to play hunky ripped teen boys like they had to play that role so already like they were gonna be sexualized no matter what surprisingly it was a little bit more difficult for us to find conversations about this with pop stars as we mentioned harry styles is like such a prime example of this but with sean mendez i was kind of taken aback by this but there was two instances and one specifically with Katy perry at the iheart radio music awards in 2017 and so they were doing like a red carpet facebook live interview situation and we have a write-up here in j14 so i'm gonna kind of summarize from here so sean looked at the two women interviewing him and said someone just touched my butt sorry oh it was Katy perry who was touching my butt i should have turned around visibly upset sean continued sorry i'm just stunned i've never met her before and i was like what like (laughs) Katy perry just like kind of low-key assaulted you and you never met her before like even more unhinged so then 
they were just talking about how like Sean was like visibly uncomfortable and like didn't really know how to act, didn't really know what to do. Many pointed out that this is a double standard and if Sean grabbed Katie's butt, it would be the biggest headline of the day. The fact is a lot of times we don't see women sexualizing men. We don't see women touching men in ways that they don't want to be touched or without their consent. And we sure don't hear about this role of reversal of women touching men in the news, but that doesn't mean it should be hidden or considered a taboo. Sean had every right to feel uncomfortable, especially if he had never met Katie before. And then the interviewers who were chatting with Sean at the time said, what if you grabbed her butt back? <laughs> they said this between a few giggles and laughs, but Sean laid down the law and made it known it wasn't cool and it wasn't a joke. He said, no, I cannot do that. That's not good. That's not a game. And so, I mean, this is kind of the thing is it's kind of like, an awkward situation you may not really know what to say and he may not really know what to do either and it's just kind of like a childish thing of like oh just like haha like do it back and he's like no I know what happens to <laughs> men who touch women without their consent yeah. but it's like totally fine and like that Katy Perry did it and there was no real like backlash for this happening yeah and I think also his initial response of like oh it was Katy Perry I should have turned around is like oh because it was Katy Perry there's like that part of his brain that's like she's more powerful yeah. and has more influence than me I should have turned around and said hi and like acknowledged her instead of being freaked out but and also like, like if you're in the middle of the inter- an interview like yeah it's just inappropriate but I'm just saying it's like that same thing that we talked about again in our Patreon episode of like that power dynamic yeah. of people like when they do things like this it's like they feel like they can get away with it yeah. and they're and especially like Katy Perry because Katy Perry I'm sure that there wasn't a lot of thought going through no, her mind in that not. regard, but it's like she can get away with a lot more because of like the personality she has, the persona she has, the public view of her. Yeah. But that doesn't mean like Sean Mendes isn't going to go home and think about that for like a week and not a nice way. Yeah. Being like, wow, I was like. And he's probably never going to get an apology for it because it's like he's not a lot. Like, other than this, there wasn't really a lot out there on the internet about this situation. So it's like, I mean, J14 wrote about it, but it's like, that's probably as much headline news as it was going to get. Yeah, I think there was maybe like one other article about it. And that was the thing that was so interesting about this episode is it's like, Jenna and I both like remember situations where there were conversations going on about these people being like, oh, they're being sexualized. Oh, they're being discussed like this. Oh, like there's uproar on like one section of the internet or like within our friend groups or whatever the case is about Taylor Lautner cover sheets or like the Jonas Brother purity rings or in my mind there was like a lot of discourse around Shawn Mendes especially when he did that like Calvin Klein photo shoot where he was shirtless and it was like the first time that people were viewing him as a man and I don't even think he was like a man really yet like I think he was maybe 18 maybe 19 and so it's that thing where it's like because men are supposed to be okay with being objectified there aren't articles written up about when the these things happen and so it was really hard to find a lot of articles about this stuff so it's kind of pulling things like literal headlines yeah. of people being like oh like 10 times Sean Mendes really wanted you to see him shirtless or like whatever the case may be of people like slightly acknowledging what's going on but like doing it in a way that's more tongue-in-cheek yeah. or yeah. not really saying it in the same way where it's not really getting kind of, to the root of the problem yeah they're instead like kind of celebrating yeah. it by being like oh here enjoy some topless photos oh enjoy this enjoy that where it's like why is nobody talking about the fact that the internet is like losing their collective shit that Sean Mendes got ripped and is in the shoot when like he clearly was like still growing into his head yeah like if you look at those photos like that is like an awkward teen boy on top of a chiseled man body and I was like really uncomfortable and I had friends being like wow Sean Mendes is really hot now and I was like what the fuck is happening yeah like I was so uncomfortable with it yeah. <laughs> I was like this is so weird yeah. and I think that kind of mirrors what we talked about the female 
pop stars like doing an album once they turn like 20 basically or once they become 18 to 20 they do like the overly sexy album and like men do it in the same way but they don't do overly sexy for women they do overly sexy sexy. to be seen as cool for men which is the whole justin timberlakeification of it all or justified syndrome as we like to call it but it's true it's like in in these photo shoots specifically like the nick jonas one the liam payne one it's like the way those photo shoots are done and their underwear ads like kind of are for women like they're kind of like a digestible media for women to appreciate whereas i don't do you know what i'm getting at like whereas like a sexy justin timberlake album like is sexy but it's not for like he's not doing it for women he's not doing it for women he's doing it to get male attention and like male respect whereas like those underwear ads are for like they're supposed to get women talking but they're also supposed to make men be like i want to look like that that like oh wow like he's really jack blah blah whatever the case is so it's like it's always the male gaze it's never the female gaze in almost all of these situations like they're never photographed in soft light they're never photographed like in a way that women will think about for longer than i mean the fact that there's a news cycle i would think the sean mendez ones are pretty like for example the nick jonas ones he was wearing like timberlands or something and he had it like on jeans like really like rugged looking jeans and his jeans were basically like pulled down a little and his shirt was like pulled up a little and to me that was like a very like masculine like yeah. i'm a dude i guess the sean mendez ones were a bit more soft. yeah see i think the sean mendez ones were more like <laughs> soft core but also he was still very young. boyish yeah very so boyish. like in that regard it wasn't even like the liam payne ones where it's like i could see the liam payne ones being like very like sexy very like he was probably older too like 2021 or something yeah. like that and there's also a woman in the shoot yeah too. like those were more like i could see a man being like i want to be like that but i couldn't see the sean mendez ones with a man being like i want to be like that yeah no the sean mendez ones was definitely but also calvin klein is like a very different kind of brand i think yeah. and so i think that that was also that situation and like he was still so young so i feel like that there also would have been that thing where men wouldn't really view him exactly. as a man in the same way. Whereas like the Liam Payne Hugo underwear thing, it's like he looked kind of like maybe a boxer yeah. like yeah. in the shoot. And there was like, while there were some photos of him alone, because obviously they got to give something to the One Direction girlies. Like there were photos of him with a really beautiful woman and it still felt very like masculine, yeah. like something men would aspire to and be like, oh, maybe, maybe I should pay attention to Liam Payne. Yeah. It's the same thing with Nick Jonas. Yeah. It's like a lot of what he did after he made his justified album and a lot of what he did once he like left the Jonas Brothers and all of that was very much in the male gaze of it all but also I mean I don't really blame Nick Jonas for doing that in the same way I would blame Justin Timberlake for doing that because of all the shit that Nick Jonas went through while he was in the Jonas Brothers and while they were wearing their period rings and there's a lot to unpack there yeah I mean and and he was the youngest of the three brothers too so like he really got the short end of the stick so there was this really interesting article on cracked by carly tens in 2022 called why nearly every 2000s disney channel star wore a purity ring and this was like a really intense article i would definitely suggest going to the show notes and checking this article out but basically carly writes that for a new generation of virginal stars who wore their chastity on their finger it became clear that sexual purity could serve as a key element in creating a new genre of profitable teen pop sensations because they're coming off the bat of like the ex disney like mickey mouse club generation of britney christina justin timberlake being like too sexy going all that way 
to then Disney being like, we need to like dial way back on the sexiness. We're going to sell wholesome. We're going to sell purity. And so Carly goes on to write, an aggressive departure from Spears, Aguilera, and Timberlake, who sparked outrage after incorporating some adult themes into their music shortly after leaving Disney. The move towards purity seemingly only fueled this creepy fascination of the sex lives of teen celebrities, perhaps by design, serving as a topic of discussion in nearly every interview and the butt of an entire South Park episode. Nick Jonas, the, the Jonas Brothers' youngest member, says he felt uncomfortable with his preteen virginity existing as a national obsession. Quote, what's discouraging about that chapter of our life is that at 13 or 14, my sex life was being discussed, Nick said in a 2019 interview with The Guardian. It was very tough to digest it in real time, trying to understand what it was going to mean to me and what I wanted my choices to be while having the media speaking about a 13-year-old's sex life. I don't know if it would fly in this day and age. It's very strange, he said. And so that's the thing that, like, uh, it's just so insane to me, is that people were so obsessed with, like, the fact that a 13-year-old whose two older brothers also were wearing purity rings, whose father was a pastor of some sort, that they would be like, oh, it's fucking weird that they're wearing purity rings when they're, like, clearly part of a church. His two older brothers have chosen to do this, so of course he's going to follow suit. Like, it's very normal to just do what your siblings are doing and do what's going to make your dad happy when you're part of, like, a religious family, that that's part of what you do. I mean... Yeah, so, like, it, essentially what you're saying is, like, it was normal for the purity ring thing to have happened at that time, but it wasn't normal for the media and everyone to be questioning him so much about it and be talking so much yeah, about it. Yeah, and be like, Which oh, is, how do you know what you want to do? It also just, like, makes me think it's very interesting because Harry was the youngest in One Direction, and I don't know if there's a correlation here at all or if it's more personality-wise, why we're joe and kevin not really treated in the same way i mean obviously the purity ring discussion was about all of them and it seems like focusing on the youngest of the group is a little bit more salacious for sure but i think also the youngest usually also has like because they're like cute and young and like they're the baby and like they always have like the girls are like really like them because like these pop bands are usually for like supposed to be for younger girls so like they're always going to be like a more of a favorite you know and so in that way it's always like oh like is he gonna date a fan like what's he gonna do like especially because he has this purity ring but it's also like what the fuck does a 13 year old know about sex and purity and like what choices they want to make you know and it's like there was so much obsession around the his brother's choice to wear purity rings and then following suit like miley selena demi wearing purity rings and like whether or not that was actually their choice or if they felt like they needed to because it's like oh this is what we do on disney channel now i mean similarly so we have another article here called the jonas brothers are back but they took off their purity rings in the federalist by zoe marist in 2019 and zoe is writing that even though the rings came off the fact that they wore them at all seems inescapable on the wendy williams show a nearly 50 year old woman called 22 year old nick a quote newly minted sex symbol she then immediately started talking about his old purity ring. Nick, William oozes with excitement, are you still a virgin? In what world is that a normal question to ask someone and on television, no less? This is literally the same way that Harry was treated. And yeah. I think it in part has to do with the fact of, like you said, they're the baby, they're the cutest. They play kind of a different role in the dynamic of a group setting, being the youngest. I'm speaking also from a lot of K-pop knowledge here because they have the maknae of the group and they are babied and they're seen as cute. And so it's like while the older ones have more time to grow up and 
becoming famous at a young age and even the difference between becoming famous at 14 versus 18 so different and I think that's what's happening in these group settings is it's like Kevin's a little bit more sure of himself he's probably had some steady relationships already whereas Nick literally has his entire life to figure out ahead of him and is being watched in the public eye yeah and I mean uh Joe Jonas wrote this like really incredible op-ed in Vulture in 2019 which we talked about in our Disney Channel pipeline episode but he refers to like the way that they were treated for the purity rings and more specifically Nick and so he writes I remember this interview with this guy whose entire agenda was to focus on the rings he kept pushing the subject and when we insisted that we didn't want to talk about it he told us I can write whatever I want which terrified us that's the thing we didn't know any better and we just wanted to make people happy although Joe said he later learned that he didn't have to answer any questions he didn't want to he was still surprised by like the reporter's insistence of like you need tell me something or else I'm gonna write whatever I want and Joe continued on to write like why do you even care about my 15 year old brother's sex life yeah and that's the thing is like why should like that's literally what happened to Harry yeah it's so crazy yeah it's so insane I do think it's interesting because we did find weird stuff about Taylor Lautner and Zac Efron having weird fan encounters with older women, also being sexualized in similar ways, but we didn't find as much about Justin Bieber. Yeah. There was like one thing about Justin Bieber in that in 2011, he was on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine, which was also the magazine where Miley Cyrus was on the cover where her back showed and everybody freaked out. And this shoot that Justin Bieber did when he was like 14, 15 years old like maximum age he would have been here is 16 like I don't think he was and you have a photo of him like wearing an unbuttoned shirt while he's playing chess and like you have this other photo where you have him like lounging in a room and there's all these screaming girls like staring at him through glass windows and then this other photo where he's like kiss marks all over his face and then like female hands like pulling at him and so they're sexualizing a very underage boy and it's like it's very uncomfortable at least to look at now and there was not a lot of discourse about it there were like two articles one of them was that like Sinead O'Connor was really up in arms about the fact that this was happening and it's like who cares what Sinead O'Connor is saying like she was canceled because she ripped up a photo of the Pope on SNL and so it's it's these things where I was googling because I remember that Justin Bieber had recently talked about how he regretted not saving himself for marriage which like is never nice to the person you lose your virginity to to Um, regardless of what has happened but I was googling to see like was Justin Bieber questioned a lot or like pushed to talk about like his dating history like all that sort of stuff and he wasn't really like the only conversations were like once he became more religious as an older age there were like these conversations of him choosing to like be like oh I regret how I lost my virginity and there are stories where like one of his friends essentially sold the story about like him and Selena going on a sex vacation because they finally told each other they were in love with each other and wanted to lose their virginity to each other which I think is like very cute but not something that should be information I'm aware of yeah and I don't know why like he wasn't treated in the same way as like Harry Styles because he's like around the same age as Nick Jonas right so Nick Jonas is two years older than Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber's song baby came out in 2010 and he would have been 16 at the time so I just feel like Justin Bieber was so like we hadn't had a solo male pop star especially not a young one in the spotlight for a while at this time and I just feel like the image that they created for him was so like boy next door you have a crush on that you're like in the same grade as like he was very much sold to 
young girls and girls of the same yeah. age as him. He was yeah. he I don't think he was like sexed up or like adult like marketed in an adult way like at all he was like singing yeah. baby he was being like want to be your boyfriend he's singing like one last lonely girl like these are all yeah. like teen heartthrob songs that are like yeah. very much directed at a teen audience and so like maybe for that reason he got away with not having these questions asked i really don't know because i mean we also talked about how he had his own version of the justified album and i mean we did see justin bieber do his like rebellious years with the monkey thing that yeah got left in germany i don't know there was some other weird stuff he kind of went out of the public eye for a while so it's like yeah. maybe when he reemerged, like he was more of an adult and skipped over this type of questioning i really don't know why well i think also it's so much easier to objectify male celebrities in film and tv yes. yeah. than is the pop stars and why because it is something we know exists like in regards to boy bands and all this sort of stuff like they're definitely sexualized they're definitely objectified in like a, but in a much different yeah. way than these film and tv stars are and so it is an interesting discussion because it's like these are things as fans and as people who are paying attention or we're aware of them being sexualized or having friends who were fans of these artists like justin yeah. bieber or whatever like we were aware of the way that they were being sexualized yeah but at the same time it's like these things aren't being reported on because they're being sexualized in a way that's like not as obvious or not as noticeable because they're not on the screen taking their shirts off they're like in the venues or yeah. whatever the case is and they're not asked about it because people aren't like oh like you had to take your shirt off for yeah. this role like how do you feel about it and so while we don't usually talk that much about like stars outside of music i did think it was important to talk about some tv and movie stars in this conversation like we've been bringing zach efron and taylor lautner yeah. into the conversation because they're going to be asked about this a lot more because it's so much more obvious and so much harder to ignore when they're being objectified well just to jump in really quickly on that it's like if we think about female pop stars in contrast because this is what our entire podcast is about it's just talking about how women were sexualized and we do a lot of reading of these articles and how they're talked about in the articles and how yeah. they're talk to how they're portrayed in the photo shoots mm -hmm. but it goes and, and men the same way but it goes beyond that because women are expected to adhere to these ridiculous standards on stage and perform sexy performances and do sexy dances and wear sexy outfits whereas men don't have to have the same sex appeal on stage and yes they they do and it's again it's they do more of the cool guy thing on stage they do performances that are going to be respectable for men to view and so yeah. i think that's why it's less obvious that this is going on with male pop stars is because female pop stars it's constant across everything they do yeah but men it's a little bit more covert because they're not always doing things that are for the female gaze or like for female consumption yeah no definitely and i mean that's why it's so interesting in regards to male actors like in film and tv who play these roles that are supposed to be for female consumption and so there was this really interesting interview with jacob alordi in men's health in 2021 done by lauren larson in which she talks to him about like obviously because it's men's health so they're going to be discussing his body and like his workout routines and that whole situation and so in this article she writes the shyness is endearing and a little unexpected from someone so abercrombie looking the attention on his body, which was full on after the kissing booth, for which he trained twice a day, seven days a week, has unsettled him. 
The movie features a scene where a foam football bounces satisfyingly off his taut bicep like a grape off of a firm mattress. Jacob says, you learn quickly that what people take away from those movies is your stature and your figure. You have all sorts of aged people around the world only talking about what you look like. So he's saying like not only are teen girls watching adult women, adult men, like people of all genders, ages are watching this and commenting on his body. And so Lauren goes on to write, women might eye roll at a man apparently discovering global objectification and a lordy's fandom may be more benign than the kind experienced by female actors but there are also fewer structures in place to insulate young men from that attention whereas sensitivity in how we talk about and write about women is on the rise objectification of men is often met with a must be nice dismissal i don't think it's really a conversation that people have in regards to men alordi says it doesn't keep me up at night but it's definitely frustrating you go to a shoot and you'll be getting changed or something and someone's like "Ooh, would you look can you imagine if i said that to a woman damn look at your waist like see you later i would never do that but i think people see it on their screens so they think it's okay and lauren goes on to write his is not a serious grievance he undercuts but he's concerned about how the focus on his body may influence audiences perception of him and he's worried about how it would affect his self-perception he says it's a slippery slope to put all of your value into the vanity of what your body looks like your body is going to deteriorate and so I mean (laughs) I totally see where he's coming from and like it must be so weird to like be in what's supposed to be like a teen rom-com of a movie and feel so objectified from it that like you become so aware of your body that it can lead to like this kind of dysmorphic thinking about like what am I supposed to do with my body I mean I I think that's the exact thing that happened to Taylor Lautner and Zac Efron yeah because like Zac Efron has spoken well Zac Efron has spoken like specifically about like body stuff but Taylor Lautner more spoke about how the fame kind of freaked him out and he like didn't leave his house for a few years yeah i mean there was like one article in the mirror specifically about how taylor Lautner said that when he would go to like premieres or press junkets for twilight that there would be moms and daughters and like the moms would like ask him to sign their underwear and like the daughters would be like you gross but i mean there definitely is like a long history of like older women being really into vampires <laughs> He was a werewolf, though, Sarah. Yeah, but, like, just like I know, that, you know, jo- I know, jokes, I'm jokes. Sarah also did watch Twilight New Moon for the very first time this week, so we're <laughs> speaking from educated background over here. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, it is interesting because, again, this is something that Jenna, as a Twilight fan, remembers there being, yeah. like, this conversation around, like, the objectification of Taylor Lautner, yet when you search... Taylor Lautner objectification. There's tons of articles that come up, but none of them have quotes. They are like, oh, Taylor Lautner was really objectified. He was really sexualized. It's like, okay, where's the fucking proof? Like, where's the proof? Like, I know that there is proof, but like, where is it? I mean, honestly, I think like if we really wanted to deep dive on the subject, we would have to go watch like Good Morning America interview, Red Carpet interview to like pick out all the specific instances. Cause like, I know they happened. I remember them happening. Like, there's no way he wasn't objectified. He was literally 17 ripped on the cover of Rolling Stone with a wet t shirt. Yeah. I mean, or may not have had a poster of that in my room yeah but i mean like that's even like i used to get tiger b and j14 all the time and there'd be like shirtless photos of jesse mccartney yeah. and like cody lindley did a single one of them have a six-pack no they all looked like the stay puff marshmallow man like they were all like very like skinny fat like they were just like normal boys yeah. you know like 
skinny with some pudge. I mean, and, basically like, really what Taylor Lautner looked like before he had to get all ripped specifically for the role. Like, they almost yeah. didn't bring him back on because they didn't know if he could play the role. And he was like, no, I'll do it. I'll get ripped. Yeah, so they're just like, you need to be objectifiable. So also in talking about these movie stars and about the fact that they are that they actually are asked or able to acknowledge the objectification because of like the constant expectation for them to be ripped and taking their tops off in films. Zac Efron did uh, an interview with some site called new.com.au in 2016 where he said, when it comes to being objectified, I signed up for it. Hopefully I can keep it up for as long as possible while I'm capable and still young. So Zach also said in this interview that there are a lot of times when it's uncomfortable for like him to be asked to take his top off. And he's like, is it really necessary for my character be to be shirtless in this scene? So he would feel like they're just taking advantage of the fact that I've gotten ripped. Yeah. And they're being like, oh, uh, you got mustard spilt on you. You got to take your top off. Yeah. And like, Can you imagine if they did that to a girl? They'd be like, oh, you got tits. Take your shirt yeah. off. But that's kind of what they're doing to Sydney Sweeney on Euphoria. Like, her tits are out way more than they need to be. Damn. I, I don't watch the show, so I don't know. But It's just, like, icky, and I don't like it. But there was this other really interesting article about Zac Efron and, like, the objectification of men in general on The Daily Beast by Tim Tiemann in 2017, where he... <laughs> which is titled Zac Efron's Eyes Are Up Here, Ladies, which I thought was funny. And so basically what this article is discussing is Zac Efron's appearance at the 2014 MTV Movie Awards, where he won the Best Shirtless Performance Award for that awkward moment. And so like when he comes up on stage to accept this award, he's wearing a button-up t-shirt, and Rita Ora is the person who gives him this award, and she kind of like playfully unbuttons his shirt. And because his shirt is being unbuttoned, he kind of has to take this moment and be like, what the fuck do I do? And he takes it as like, okay, I just need to own this. And like kind of pops his shirt off, flexes, does the whole thing. But Tim writes, in his little moment at the MTV Movie Awards, Efron told in a few seconds the modern history of man and his relationship to his body and how we look at the male body publicly. Efron, in a blank, went from shy concealment to peacockish display. At the gym and online, men, gay and straight, are showing off their muscled bodies as never before, and they don't seem to mind the gender and sexuality of who's looking. They like both the acquisition and performance of muscled masculinity. And so people on the internet were, like, freaking out, being like, oh my god, Zac Efron looks so hot, this is incredible, blah blah blah. And there were two paragraphs in this article that really hit me, and I was just like, oh wow, like, this is something that I think we should at least touch on a little bit in this episode, is that Tim wrote, Look at Efron's expression in the moments after Aura pops his buttons. First of all, he grips his shirt tight, then it falls open. Then the game is up and he knows he must be a good sport. Not only that he must ration it up, in a split second, he's not only in on the joke, he's lapping up the cat calls. He knows his place. He knows he's an object of desire. He knows that this is a moment where he wins on all scores. Straight women and gay men get a toned six-pack to revel in. Straight men admire the training regime behind it. Tim continues to write, When Justin Timberlake accidentally revealed Janet Jackson's nipple at the Super Bowl in 2004, it was she who somehow ended up in the public stocks for it. He did not. How very different to Sunday Night at the MTV Movie Awards. Aura just seems the giddy gallabout town shouting the head night male stripper refrain of get it off at Efron and the expectation on Efron is to do exactly that and to be a good humored and to be good humored about it too. A male sex object can smolder but is benign after all. We'll judge him but we'll smile, applaud his good sportingness and reserve the real bitchiness for Taylor Swift's new haircut. If a new era of male body anxiety really is imminent, at least it may level this warped playing field. I feel like that comparison of like 
oh, Rita Ora ripped his shirt open. It's just like a girl being silly, Zac Efron showing off, and Justin Timberlake ripping off Janet Jackson's top, and now Janet Jackson's whole career is ruined and, like, barred from the Super Bowl and the Grammys and every award show known to man. Yeah. The other thing it made me think of is being at a concert and the Mm -hmm. types of things that fans yell at male performers versus female performers because it's like when some a man in the crowd yells something kind of raunchy to a female performer it's like disgusting gross and like makes the performer uncomfortable makes people in the crowd uncomfortable but when it's like maddie healy and a crowd of like mostly women or even harry styles or something and they're like yelling take it off or like anything sexual like yeah they're expected to just take it and i feel yeah. like maddie has maybe even said something about this but i don't Probably remember i don't remember a direct quote but i just think about that in the past and like but not only are they expected to take it they're expected to want it and yeah. i think some of that also maybe comes from the rock and roll days of like mm-hmm. sex drugs rock and roll and men lapping it up and who knows maybe they weren't comfortable and they never spoke about it but like the idea that any male rock star should want that yeah no definitely and i feel like that's like what's so crazy and interesting about all of this is it's like again harry styles would never be asked like the backstreet boys would never be asked like whomever would never be asked about like oh those girls in the crowd last night were really losing their minds about like you being sweaty and how you should take your top off like did you feel objectified yeah but meanwhile like zach efron and like these other actors are like allowed to talk about it in a different way because it's like it's not acknowledging the voyeurism of fans it's acknowledging like a director making a choice or whatever the case is because again there is that weird thing where equality kind of stops in certain directions where it's like oh we can't acknowledge that like women are being perverse about a male body it's kind of crazy y'all yeah i think we did not expect this conversation to have this many turns (laughs) so many turns so yeah i mean like it's there's a lot going on here that unfortunately isn't written about so we had to go off a lot of like no one did our homework (laughs) yeah we pulled in we pulled in life experience we pulled in when we could yeah exactly like we had to go off of yeah our own personal experience and our own personal knowledge which is kind of weird and like i don't know it makes me sad in a lot of ways that this isn't asked about more well i mean even like most of the publications that wrote about this they're like feminist like websites some of them at least yeah but they weren't very big publications for the most yeah. part and like the opinion pieces they were in more kind of like they were just in they were all in more niche publications yeah. which is just proof like how much digging we had to do but also like how little this conversation is being had in the mainstream yeah i mean like most of the article like anything that i really found like even acknowledging like taylor Lautner being objectified were like tumblr blogs yeah i'm like i'm not gonna pull that yeah but like that's what's so crazy about it is it's like fans acknowledge that it was happening yeah but the media can't yeah. or like doesn't want it's to. It's kind of crazy. So it's an interesting discussion and we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got something out of this and like it made you guys think about how you digest media and how you digest the male body and this like men that you might be interested in. Make you think twice about what you tweet on the internet. <laughs> Literally. So we hope you enjoy this episode today. I know I enjoyed this conversation and it's really fun to get to talk to Jenna in real life I about know, stuff. We did it. So crazy. We like we said, if you guys usually listen on your podcast feeds, you should go watch on YouTube just for a special treat. <laughs> 
So we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any thoughts or feelings about anything good or, good or bad, come chat with us on social media. We are at Name Three Songs on all platforms. Or if you have any personal grievances or love, admiration, what have you, you can talk to us personally. I am at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Billion. So thanks for joining us this week on this special episode of Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to... <laughs> not sexualized men don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit name3songs.com